Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estate in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, January the 25th. Uh, we're going to talk about UVA hoops, and we're going to get into UVA football a little bit. Uh, we promised it maybe the last podcast, but we're really going to do it today, I promise, maybe. Um, but we're definitely going to talk UVA basketball. Huge win last night on the road for the Cavaliers up at Purcell Pavilion in South Bend. A, a game that I think everybody uh, expected to be a lot tighter than it was. And, and I wonder if maybe, um, and, I, and I haven't done the rewatch yet, but I'm wondering if maybe the, um, the score was not quite as indicative of the game itself. Uh, I'll be interested to talk to uh, these fine folks about that. Out in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the podcast. Welcome back, my friend. Oh, always a pleasure, Brad. David Spence, Who Dave's on the board, at Who Dave's on Twitter. Whenever you get really nice like that, I always just can tell it's just total BS. Uh, staff writer Justin Ferber up in Arlington is also back on the podcast. Welcome back, my friend. Yo, yo, yo. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. You should stick with yo, 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 because it's pretty strong. Uh, All Cal- right. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. So Virginia goes up to Notre Dame. Um, interestingly enough, it, Virginia went off as what a one and a half point underdog. What was the final line at the? Yeah, t- it was a one and a half. Okay. So an underdog and yet still ahead in terms of the polls and behind in terms of the standings at that point. Um, I expected Virginia to lose a close game. I just didn't think. I, I just wasn't sure that. That I that I could expect Virginia's defense to do what it ultimately did. Ferber obviously thought Virginia was going to lose a close one. Uh, Dave, I don't know. Did we talk at all? I mean, is it verifiable for you to say whether you thought Virginia was going to win? No, or I lose? said it would be hard to hard to put on paper that Virginia would win that game. Yeah, and for them, yeah. I mean, I really thought it was it was a really did I what did I call it uh, um, a methodical domination or something like that? Like it it just as the game went on, it just got harder and harder for Notre Dame to just do anything. And I thought Virginia really hit its stride. Um, and, and next thing I know, they're starting to stretch out the, the lead a little bit, and they're stretching out the lead a little bit, and you keep expecting Notre Dame to make a run, but they just never really uh, could. Their, own, their offense really was just Bonzi Colson inside and maybe Steve Estrella going straight to the rim as much as possible. Uh, maybe at the under eight in the second half when it was when you know they they gotten like four free throws in a row and it seemed like they were pretty intent on getting to the line and 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 Jerome had just picked up Virginia's seventh foul of the half and so you knew they were going to the line a lot and they just kind of abandoned it I, I don't know if, if they if they just weren't getting shots or what but then from that about that five and a half minute mark on man after Jerome hit the second of his two threes I mean, that thing was done. I mean, she was cooked. Uh, what did you guys think? Uh, overall, this felt like a classic kind of Virginia uh, win, absent of maybe a real cavalanche. It just really felt like Virginia of old. I mean, stifling defense and offense that just kind of kept coming. Dave, what was your overall impression uh, of the win, and, 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 and do you think the team sort of, I don't know, really turned a corner last night up, up in uh, South Bend? What do you think? I don't know if they turned a corner. I mean, um Based on what we saw last night, they may have turned a corner a few games ago, and we just hadn't realized it yet. Um, you know, it's just, I guess the take-home message for me at the end of that game was, despite like the constant changing of pieces over the last few years with very good players that were so pivotal, so pivotal, well, that was a horrible pronunciation, um, leaving the program, they just keep doing what they do. Um, and I found myself at the end of the game last night just kind of, like, you know what? This is a really good time to be a Virginia basketball fan. I mean, 
you can be a Duke fan, a UNC fan, but I mean, for Virginia to be this good this many years in a row without, you know, without being built around a superstar player like Ralph, you know, it's, it's different guys doing this. London's been there for most of it, but different pieces. It's just, you know, it's tremendous to watch. And, you know, that's why I rushed it again today. Um, I mean, I think I texted you guys at the, like with eight minutes ago in the first half. And I felt like the Notre Dame fans were already frustrated with the way we were dogging them on defense and the players from Notre Dame were already getting frustrated at that point. I knew it was over. I'm glad I was right. <laughs> so. Um, you know, it, it did, it, it felt a lot to me like it feels when Virginia plays Louisville where you're just like, at some point you're like, yeah, this is, this is, this is going to be fine. And, and there can be a, just a, an inordinate number of minutes left in the game. You're like, nope, this is going to be good. Ferber, what did you think? Did did that did that performance? How did that performance line up maybe with what you were thinking Virginia would be able to do when you were writing the preview? Well, I figured if they were going to win, it was going to look something like that, uh, not too different from the other Notre Dame UVA games of the past few years, or like you said, Louisville games. There are two teams that kind of the results have been pretty similar if you think about it. A lot of games where UVA had a you know significant lead and kind of coasted to a finish or you know, like was clearly the better team and just kind of like eked out a win. Um, I figured if they won, it was going to take a defensive effort like we saw. Uh, And honestly, you know, picking them, picking against them was more of a, it was more of a go with what the numbers say kind of a pick. I mean, it wasn't a game where I didn't think they had a chance. Um, At the same time, really impressed with the, the ability to get not just stops, but it's seemingly, you know, back-to-back-to-back stops, stuff like that. Um, I think the gaps, as they're called, um, that was pretty impressive against that team and keeping them off the free-throw line. And then, honestly, part of it was they just shot really poorly from the free-throw line. But um, obviously really impressed. Obviously a lot's been said about Ty Jerome um, and how he played off the bench. But, uh, you know, I thought Mariel gave them a lift early in the game, and obviously London played really well throughout and this was another game where Jack Saul got to play against a traditional big in uh, Gabin, so a uh, good matchup for him. But uh, obviously, if they can put an effort to, like that together on both ends of the floor, they're going to beat anybody. But, um, I mean, I thought if, if Notre Dame won, it would come down to the last possession. If UVA won, they were probably going to win by six or eight. Um, obviously, they ended up being, what was it, 17, um, which is obviously very impressive. I think the thing for me going into this game, and I want to make a point: when you pick games, uh, when you're when you're predicting scores, you're looking at I think primarily at two things, right? You're looking at what what does what does normal seem like to this team, and what does normal seem like to this other team, and you're and you're basically imagining when these two things collide. And what I thought Ferber did a good job in the preview, really making the point that listen, Virginia is a is a has a good team. We're not sure if they're great, and it probably takes a great effort on both ends to win this game. Um, and knowing how well Notre Dame has played on offense this season, knowing that the way Notre Dame has won this year has been the type of game that we've seen Virginia lose, right? Um, and also the fact that it was not at home. London Peranta said something funny, in the, I, I, th- I think stands out, and a couple of folks picked up on this and wrote about it, uh, or, or at least included the quote, uh, he said during his um, post-game presser um, a- after the uh, Georgia Tech game, he said he was looking forward to going on the road. He feels like they actually play better on the road. They, there's a little bit more energy um, maybe than, than when they play at home. 
and you really, man, I could see it. Like, they were super dialed in early. Now, they still turn the ball over way too damn much, and I'm not really sure how to cure it because a lot of it just seems like dudes trying to make a play too that's too cute or too nice. Like, wrapping around a dude to try to drop one off or, or, or trying to, um, you know, thread a pass you shouldn't, go, you shouldn't throw. But overall, I was really impressed with how uh, kind of dialed in they were from the jump. I mean, by my math, Virginia trailed in this game for all of about, um, let's see, a minute, minute and a half, uh, 30 seconds, 20 seconds. So, yeah, so like, what, three minutes tops in this game? And they have not trailed much in this little stretch. Now, granted, some of the competition wasn't that great. But, I mean, I just think that it, it takes a certain mentality to go into somebody else's building where they win a lot and where they currently have, are, were undefeated and, and, and hold them to 20 points below their scoring average. And you're right, man. Some of these, some of these stat lines, I mean, V.J. Beecham goes, what, three of ten, or one of ten or three of something? I mean, it was, it, it was bad. Uh, Vesturia and Colson were really the only two that really went off. There was all this talk about Matt Farrell going into the game, and he was pretty much a non-factor. Um, and then, of course, for Virginia, you get your, your customary 20-point game from Perantis, which kind of seems like maybe uh, they can start to sort of rely on that when he plays consistent minutes and they, it's not a blowout. Um, a near double-double for both Devin Hall and Isaiah Wilkins, which I thought was pretty impressive. Isaiah Wilkins going 9 of 10 from the free-throw line. I mean... That in and of itself is pretty impressive. I, I thought Virginia did a really good job of, of getting the ball down to him, and he did a good job of making them count. Um, but I just think overall, the thing that stands out to me the most is that there was just nothing about this game that makes you go, "Oh wow!" Other than that, the way the the the, the, the facts of the case, right? It wasn't like all of a sudden they clicked into like hitting nineteen threes or something. You know what I'm saying? Like this was just this was just you you can almost expect to be a consistent Virginia effort. And you start to wonder, like, well, maybe that this is what this team is. And I feel like we've, we've thought that a couple times at, at different points in the season. I, I watch this team play, and I think, you know what, like, they actually could be very good. Now, they, they still have a, a, some stuff to correct. I mean, they've they got to cut down on turnovers. I still think they have a, a little bit of an issue there. Uh, I think the, the, two, the two changes, of one, moving Shayok into the starting lineup, obviously seems to be working well. But I also think them playing – London Perantis more off the ball has really been a big boost. Um, and, and the more minutes you get from Ty Jerome, uh, clearly the better, it seems like. What did you guys think of, of his performance last night, and how shocked were you to see him making those plays late in the second half? Dave, we'll start with you. I mean, I was a little shocked. Just yeah, It's a big game and a big moment. It's not like he was hitting garbage shots, you know. Um, I was – the first three, I mean, it was a questionable whether they got fouled on it. The first one he made, um, but I, I can't remember where I read it. Someone noticed it. Like soon as he, as soon as he like went to the floor trying to get the foul, he was back on his feet and you know, up the court to to prevent you know keep the defense balanced. Um, and then the second three he hit on Farrell. I mean, it was so veteran. If you watch the replay of it. Um, I mean, he's out, he's dribbling a couple times, a screen action's kind of coming. And Farrell, like, literally, he's not far off of him, but he's off of him. And Farrell turns his head back to look at the post to see where he might be passing it to. And as soon as his head turns, he's up and the shot's gone. Um, I thought the most impressive move was when he, I think he's coming from the left wing against Farrell, and he, um, he crossed him over twice and then got to the lane. That was the moment, like, Look, you can hit a three, but to have the confidence to to go against a guy like Farrell's having a great year, um, 
obviously older than and than Ty. And to just to make that play in that situation, it, it says a lot about where Ty's come from since his injury and since arriving at, at UVA. Um, and if you can get that kind of minutes from him, even if it means, you know, London getting three or four extra minutes of rest per game, that adds up by tournament time. Um, plus, it gives you so many options what to do with with the lineups. And, you know, you were mentioning, not to get completely off topic, but you are talking about the turnovers. Um, I think there were four turnovers I can think off the top of my head that were, it's the right pass, it's just the wrong guy you're throwing it to. Um, you know, Anthony Gill probably catches three of those four. Um, but, you know, Salt and Wilkins getting getting the ball in their face kind of unexpectedly isn't their strong suit. Um and then the other turnovers we had, Reuter moved his pivot foot. And then Mario had like a one-minute stretch where he couldn't remember to you know, keep it to two steps. But otherwise, I mean, even though there were some turnovers there, I think Notre Dame only had two transition points, and that was that late turnover off the inbound after they subbed Kyle in. Um, so I, I believe that's six total transition points Notre Dame scored against Virginia in the last whatever game. So, yeah. Anything, any play you can get from Todd makes our team better. Um, you know, I think well, I'm pretty sure we'll talk about Salt, but you know, he was huge last night too. Ferber, what about you? What What did you think of of Ty's game, and were you surprised to see him making such uh, contributions? Yeah, I mean, he's been a steady presence presence with the ball. Uh, obviously, he hasn't been that big of an offensive weapon, but. Being able to knock down the threes that he made, those weren't easy threes either. I mean, one was contested in the corner, and I thought he got fouled too, but you know they didn't get the call. Um, and then the one against Farrell was nice. Obviously, getting to the basket, if he could do that, he's got length. So he's going to have a physical advantage over most point guards that are guarding him, which is huge, and I think will pay, di- <clears throat> sorry, uh, pay dividends during his career. Um, it's it's going to be easy for UVA fans to get a little excited about what the future backcourt's going to look like in years to come, but... I mean, obviously, the big thing is that he kind of is a steady presence, uh, but any offensive contributions like the one you saw last night would be a huge plus going forward. Uh, Veteran plays by a young player, but obviously you can see uh, why Tony liked him. I think he's a really uh, steady, calm presence, and he's going to be a really good point guard here. Yeah, I think the funny thing to me is to watch the reaction on the board. Basically, people were like, there was like these two factions, right? The people that were like, I told you guys he was going to be good. And there were the other people like, oh, my God, I did not realize he was going to be this good. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we were kind of having conversations about redshirting. And we were all like, you know, maybe you should let Ty redshirt get himself physically ready because of the hip surgery and everything. But I feel like every minute that, that Tony has played him is like an investment into a better minute. You know what I mean? Like, every, like you just feel like he gets better each t- every time he's on the floor, um, which, quite frankly, to see Tony playing him back there that much, I-, I thought, you know, bodes well for down the road. Because what ends up happening a lot to teams in, ter- in the tournament when it comes to tournament time is, like, you get a little helter-skelter, right? You get a little bit shook. Uh, maybe sometimes it's a moment. Maybe sometimes you're not playing as well as you thought you, you, normally, you, know, you normally would, and so you're a little bit... Uh, you know, the pressure's on you. And to have Ty play in these minutes in these late games, I think is really important. Uh, Dave mentioned Jack Salt, and I want to talk about him for, for a few minutes as well because in, in the media room after the Georgia Tech game, David Teal and I, uh, David Teal from the Daily Press and I were standing there, and we were joking about how Jack Salt had just played 35 minutes in a game, and he might not play five uh, on Thursday, or, or excuse me, on uh, Wednesday night 
uh, or Tuesday night in uh, in in South Bend, and he plays twenty five. Um, I gotta say, I did I did not expect that, and I certainly didn't expect him to to play as well as he did. But man, you could really tell his screens last night were important. Like he was doing uh, some serious work, and I just don't think um, I don't think that that gets enough credit. Um, just how good that offense can run when he's when he's setting those quality screens. I'm gonna guess that you guys did not expect Jack to play as much as he did. My question though is going forward: Is this something that they can really start to, you know, it, it, to to really play off of? I mean, can can this be a central piece of the puzzle going forward, or do you think that we're we're still gonna see him always falling back into matchups and you know going four guard with Isaiah or or with Mamadi or even Reuter at times? What how do we how do we feel about Salt playing more with more consistency going forward? Dave, let's start with you. I mean, I, I think it's it's big for the team. Now, you're not you're not going to run your offense around Jack, but um, when you think about the depth Virginia has, you know, kind of the advantage it gives you is being able to match up against different teams that you play. Um, last night, Notre Dame went with two bigs a lot of the game, and we were able to with Salt playing so well. You're able to go with Salt and Wilkins. Um, so, I mean, I think just getting his confidence up and getting getting the trust level up that he's not going to pick up, you know, silly fouls or, or stuff like that. You know, it helps give Virginia one more look to throw at you. So if you want to go big against them because their four guards are hot, they can do it. Um, so anything, you know, anything you can do to add that, that extra piece will certainly help you come tournament time. Cause who knows what you're going to get matched up against. Um, but the fact that he was able to stay on last night, even when Notre Dame went small for a little while, and just like that first defensive possession was just, it's probably his best defensive possession of the year. I mean, he, he was all over the place, almost forced to turn over, got back and then end up contesting a three in the opposite corner. Um, that kind of effort and intelligence, you know, being smart with his body certainly gives you another, you know, another look that you can, you can pull out. What about you, Ferber? Do you feel like they can, they can really play salt more uh, kind of going forward? I think it depends. I think it's still a matchup thing. Um, it's good to see that he's kind of cut down on the fouls. Whether I mean, not every foul is his fault, I don't think, but he's just a physical guy. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I still think it'll be a little bit dictated by matchups, but there's a lot of teams that UVA is going to play down the stretch that will match up okay with you know his strengths. So I don't necessarily think this is the end of a little run where we've seen a lot of him, but... I'm not going to get too carried away with thinking that he's going to all of a sudden be playing all the time. Uh, I mean, I think Tony's smart enough to know that there's certain teams that are going to pull him away from the basket. And then he's not really a huge factor at that point because he can't guard that far out, I don't think, at this point. And, uh, you know, if he's away from the basket, then that's kind of why he's there. So um, I think we'll see. There's certain teams where he probably won't play as much, but I do think he'll see increased minutes going forward. And and the thing too, and I and I think this might bring up a larger point, which is Virginia's defense. I thought really clicked in. Now now Notre Dame missed some some open looks, and they certainly uh, they certainly did not do themselves many favors. But man, they they had to work. And I think Mike Bray said, you know, this was the first time all year they got their butts kicked. I just really thought Virginia's defense played at a very high level. I thought they were in passing lanes more than they normally are. They were solid on the glass. I thought they were, um, you know, in a set. 
um, and basically force Notre Dame to make plays. And and realistically, that's as good as you can ask for. Like, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have guys on the ball who are you know shutting people down. But realistically, what you want is just got making making guys take tough shots. I mean, that's ultimately the 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 lifeblood of the pack line. And I just really thought. Um, Going into the game, that it was going to be a, certain, a big challenge for Virginia to, to, to do what it needed to do to that offense to, to win. I really was I was really thinking about the in, in the other way, which is I, I really think Virginia's offense is going to have to be super efficient, and they're gonna they're gonna have to not turn the ball over much. And ultimately, what it came to pass is some a little bit of both, and certainly a lot of defense. So I'm starting to wonder. I mean, Dave made a point earlier. He said maybe they were this good. Uh, we just we just haven't we just hadn't noticed it yet or or something to that effect. They won five in a row. They obviously play off a huge game Sunday uh, up in Philadelphia uh, against Villanova. Um, I, I'm not sure whether Virginia is better off or not, uh, having played uh, having played them off of coming off the loss to Marquette. Um, still going to be the first um, uh, the first opportunity for Virginia to beat a uh, a number one, I believe, since 2006. Uh, the last time I believe Virginia beat a number one was in 1986. They're 0-17 since then. This will also be, I think, only the second time they've played a number one since like NC State in 78 or something like that. I, I did a bunch of research this morning, but it's for some reason decided not to keep it in front of me in, for the podcast. So clearly it's a huge opportunity whether or not uh, Villanova lost or not. I don't want um, to get into like who do you think is going to win the game but before we jump to football, I want to touch on what do you think a key to the game is? Like, what do you what, what do you think has to happen in order for Virginia to win it? Dave, let's start with you. What do you feel like you want to see from UVA on Sunday in order to win uh, against Villanova? Yeah, I think it's much of what we did last year. You know, it's, it's good defense and, and timely shooting. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Um, at this point, I hate to say it, you know, Honestly, it would be great if Villanova hadn't lost and maybe they didn't have an edge. But at this point, you know, I think if you'd asked us all yesterday afternoon what our goal was for this week, you know, we were hoping to go one and one. That would be a really good week. Um, 0 and 2 wouldn't be a season killer, but it would be, you know, wouldn't look good for seeding. So it's house money for Virginia at this point against a team that they've got experience with and is going to be a wounded dog. So it's going to be quick rotations, being smart with the ball and. A lot of what they did last night early, you know, and just wearing Notre Dame down on the defensive end, you know, running the shot clock down, you know, that pays dividends on, on an offensive team's legs. And you start to look there. Notre Dame shot what three for eighteen or something last night was atrocious three point shooting, um, and it wasn't all <laughs> from. There were a lot of open shots, as you mentioned. Heck, I think two of the ones they made were probably con- were contested. I know one of Astorius is whatever his name is was from NBA range with Jerome in his face. Um, so it's it's just that. I mean, it's doing what you do and being efficient and, and wearing them down. I mean, they're a really good team, but look, as we said, there's no elite teams this year. Villanova's very, very good, but they're not unbeatable. So I don't think Virginia has to do anything other than be a very, very good version of themselves. One thing that's interesting to me is that Virginia won that game and then had to watch that team win a national championship. Um, I, I'm I'm curious to see how Virginia sort of handles the matchup, given that I don't care if they lost; they're still the reigning national champion. They're the number one team in the country. Um, 
interestingly enough, I tried to get credentials to this, and maybe maybe the the um, the space gods will. Uh, that sounds weird. The people who the who determine how much space is in a building uh, will shine down on me, and I'll be able to get one. But apparently, this is going to be a crazy atmosphere because media credentials and stuff were already booked up by like Sunday, uh, a week before, which never happens. So I, I, clearly this is going to be a big game regardless of whether or not um, they lost to Marquette. Um, I think in essence for me what they have to do to win the game um, is be very much like the team that just won in South Bend. Dialed in defensively, making shots on offense, you know, not letting anything happen in transition, being smart with the, with the ball, uh, maybe even more so. Uh, and then just make them take tough shots. I mean, realistically, what what I think Virginia put on the uh, out there last night is the blueprint for them to have success against every. You know, uh, this this last this last gauntlet to the end is a tough stretch, but man, if they can they can play like they did Tuesday night, they're going to win a lot a lot of those games. What about you, Ferber? What do you uh, what do you, what do you feel like you want to see from Virginia in order to win that game on Sunday? Yeah, I think you guys pretty much nailed it. I think the big thing is just to kind of follow up on what they did last night with another performance just like that you got to keep uh, Villanova's guards. Obviously they're very talented um, out of the paint. Uh, Brunson, Hart and Jenkins can all get in the paint and make plays around the rim and they can shoot too. But uh, you know, UVA strategy is basically to make you make the tough shot from the outside rather than get anything around the basket. So I think that that is the strategy to, to win. Obviously, they're going to have to close out on these shots because guys like Hart and Jenkins can knock down threes. So uh, it's going to be a tough one for sure. Uh, obviously, it'll probably be a pretty crazy environment, and Villanova will be fired up to play this one. You know, maybe a little revenge because they lost last year's game. Uh, and um, I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough one to go in there and win. I think, but I think the recipe is the same as the one they used to win in South Bend. So from talking about a. You know, borderline top ten team at this point. To talk about a team that lost ten games uh, this past season on the gridiron, Virginia football obviously knows its uh, schedule going into the 2017 season. Uh, we'll open up with three straight home games: William Mary, Indiana, UConn, before going to Boise State on the 23rd. They come back after that for their for their open week before they start ACC play. Um, kind of a nice little box boxy kind of schedule, right? You get your your three home games, you get your one row game. You're going to get your, your bye week, and then you start ACC play with a home game, and you go home, away, home, away, home, uh, away, away, home. Um, no real swings. I mean, the, the schedule kind of sets up nicely. I guess the question I want to pose, and I want to kind of take some of our conversation offline and, and kind of bring it into the podcast, so feel free to, to duplicate things you already said. But what I found interesting as we talked more and more about the schedule was how quickly we start looking and going, oh, yeah, that's an easy schedule. Except we forget the part where, like, Virginia is the team that really is not very good. Um, and so you start looking at some of these teams like, oh, they should win that game. And I'm like, and then you think about it and you go, wait, what? How do we, now that we've had a day to kind of compress uh, or whatever the word is, uh, digest the schedule, I don't want to go, obviously, to a pick-by-pick pick because we have a whole podcast for that later in the fall. But the schedule itself seems to set up well. It seems to imply certain things about the season. Um how distressed are you about the fact that you can't trust any of it? Like, cause that's exactly where I am right now. I look at the schedule and I think a decent Virginia team could easily go to a bowl game on the schedule. And I think the key word there is decent. 
Uh, how disconcerting is it to, to think about football in that way? Ferber, let's start with you. What what were your general thoughts about the schedule, and, and how hard is it to kind of resist that urge to look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a bowl schedule right there? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like you said, if it was, you know, a, a middle-of-the-road team, then obviously you would just pencil in the wins. Uh, UVA is not that at this point. They could end up being that this year, but we don't know enough to, to know that at this point. The way I look at it is, if they're going to show improvements and be better, then this is a good schedule to have because it, it allows you to get hot early. Um, you have an FCS opponent that's in transition. Uh, if you lose that game, it's an absolute disaster. Um, and then after that, you have two other, I wouldn't say equivalent FBS level programs. Uh, Indiana has been to bowls last few years. Uh, but UConn is probably right around where UVA is. And both of those teams are breaking in new coaches. And then, you know, you can kind of write the Boise State game off, but you also have home conference games against Duke and Boston College. And unlike last year's schedule, where some of the easier ACC games are on the road, uh, this year they're at home. So it kind of is like a double win in a sense that you get those teams and you get them at home. So it's even more likely of a win. Whereas a good team would be looking at it and saying, like, well, we have the hard teams at home and the good t- or the uh, not so good teams away. So we should be able to win all those games. Uh, UVA is just trying to rack up the wins at home as much as they can, I'm sure. Um, I mean, honestly, like you said, it's not like you can go out there and be like, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win. I'm not interested in doing that at this point. Anyway, it's, it, you know, it's not really, it doesn't really do much. Um, and, you know, we're going to have to find out what kind of team it is, because if it's a bad team like last year, then it doesn't really matter who they play. They're not going to win very many games, considering that they always are going to have eight ACC games. Um, but if they are better, then then this is a favorable schedule and gives them a chance to be competitive. The thing that continues to elude me in looking at the schedule is any sort of confidence that they're going to win that September game against William Mary. And I, and I think that is all because I have some form of sports writer PTSD from last year's season opener. To say that I expected Virginia to lose that game would be... I, I don't even know how to describe it, but to say that I expected them to lose in the fashion by which the Cavaliers lost that game, something altogether different. I mean, I, to this day, still have... It still seems almost like an out-of-body experience. Like, I spent... A long time thinking about that team and, and thinking about Bronco and his staff and, and everything. And then they put that on the field and you're just like, what is that? Um, so I, I, I almost feel like when we, and I'm going to warn you now that when we get to the fall, we start doing our preseason podcast. Um, I'm going to have some questionable stuff to say as this, as we go through this. But I look at that September 2nd game with Wayne Mary and I go, pick them. Like, who knows? Like, and we can look at the rest of the schedule and say, you know what? This seems like a winnable game. But until Virginia proves to me that they're not the team that they showed themselves to be far too often last year, I, I don't know how you expect them to do anything. And and look, that's not hate. That's not shade. That's not anything. Ne- I mean, it just comes down to reality, right? That's a team last year that woefully underachieved. And I know they were switching schemes, and I know the personnel was all over the place, and I know they were dealing with some significant injuries at several spots. None of that matters. They still looked like... Um, a dumpster fire at various points in that season, and they should not have. And I, I, th- I think that, as Bronco explained to us during that sit-down with the, with the media folks, you know, he treated it like year 12 instead of treating it like year one. And I, I, I guess as, as somebody whose livelihood depends on Virginia football being in, at least somewhat interesting to fans, I really hope they're not treating this as year one. Like, I don't know how you, how you segue 
from year 12 that really did not go well to all of a sudden year two. But you got to get there. And that William & Mary game is going to tell us a whole lot. Uh, Dave, what about you? What are your general thoughts about the schedule, and, and are you having some issues looking at it and, and like Ferber said, kind of penciling in wins because Virginia's just not that type of team? Why would I have any issues, man? We've been so good at football. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, it, Kind of the way I look at it is you know, when Bronco was hired and we, we talked about you know hope, um, obviously you understand there's going to be some transition as, as you go to new schemes and you know, he's talking about rebuilding the infrastructure and McHugh, you know, the personnel infrastructure in McHugh and the actual building itself. There's so many changes that need, need to be made. But when you looked at the schedules upcoming over the years and the talent in the program when he arrived, you know, year one, based on what talent was on the roster, was smoking with the, the really, you know, with Dante and with some really good seniors. And looking at the schedule they had last year versus what they had had the years, a few years before that was just ridiculous out-of-conference stuff. You felt like if he was going to make a bowl game early, it was going to be year one or year two. So year one clearly didn't make a bowl game. Um, and now we're at year two where you still got some really good, you know, experienced talent on the roster, especially with, you know, Quinn and, and Micah coming back, you know, who both could have gone pro. Um, I mean, we won't, well, I'm not going to go deep. In, you know, we've got talent. Um especially when you compare it, when you look at the number of seniors that are going to contribute this year, look at the schedule we have this year. And then next year's schedule isn't horrible, but it's a little bit harder. And then 2019 and 20 get ridiculous. Um, so there's a small window. Um, so that alone, just because of me being tired of being a Virginia fan of a program that hasn't been to a bowl game for, was it six years now? Um, you know, this is a huge year. And then, so, you know, you get excited because you love football. And then you look at the schedule, and it's probably the easiest schedule we've had in, I don't know, six, seven years, maybe longer than that. And then you start breaking it down. Like, we were joking, like, okay, if they can start five and two, you know, they need to start five and two to have a chance to make a bowl. And then you're like, well, to start five and two, they probably need to start three and oh. Well, they haven't started two and oh in four years. They haven't started three and oh in 11 years. I mean, and you're just kind of – rolling it off your tongue um, like, like it's nothing. But, yeah, last time William Mary was in Charlottesville, it, they, it was a heck of a game. I believe that's the game where Reese took a punt return back to finally give us some distance. Um, but it was close to the end. And then you've got you know, Indiana and UConn who, you know, UConn beat us last year. Now, obviously, they have a coaching staff change, but they've got success over us. And I remember – I think the last time we played Indiana was the 2011 season, wasn't it? Wasn't it the Cam Johnson strip sack? Right. So, so it's not like we, it's not like we beat the crap out of them when they were not very good that year, and we were. So, you know, you just look and the margin for error, like you said, is just so thin. Um, but if there is a year, you know, it won't be a schedule. The schedule won't be the reason they lose this year. You know, you, you can't get much easier than this without just mailing it in and not getting any fans to want to come to any games. Um, and you're not going to get an easier crossover. No offense to Boston College, who's been much better than us lately, but given the fact you have Louisville's a built-in and they're, you know, they've been good the last few years. You've got Syracuse, Boston College. That's pretty much as easy as you can get on the crossover in Wake Forest. Um, you know, in a couple of years, we got Clemson and Florida State back-to-back. So you got to make hay when it's, when it's there, um, 
I don't know about my confidence level of them doing it. I haven't gotten preseason awesomeness disease yet. I'm still in postseason why do I care mode. Um, so, yeah. You know, like I said, it's it's a good schedule. I mean, I think Virginia got very lucky. I mean, honestly, I think the only thing Virginia could ask better on the way the schedule lays out is if the bye week could have been during ACC play or you know before a big game or something. But otherwise, you I mean you get there's seven home games, and on paper, you know, I hate to say I don't see Tech as winnable, <laughs> but right now they're just they're further along than us. But oh, six yeah. of them should be winnable. Well, one thing that's funny to me is you said something about the bye week could have come during ACC play, and I was like, yeah, before the Georgia Tech game, so Paul Johnson could have lost his mind even more. <laughs> yeah. um, the thing, all right, look, look, there's a version of reality, okay? It's like a Schrodinger's uh, football schedule kind of deal, right? Before it happens, it's definitely, it's, it's just as likely, right? Or whatever, I, I might have screwed that up, don't email me. Um, Okay, so you can see. All right, so let's say Virginia comes out there, plays William Mary well. That you know they win by three, four touchdowns. You feel you feel comfortable. Maybe it's a tighter game against Indiana. UConn has a new staff, and maybe they, maybe they win there. And you're three and zero, and you're like, holy crap! Then they go to Boise State, and of course we'll get smacked because that's what happens. All right, so then they go in the bye week three and one. Even then, you won't feel comfortable, right? You won't feel at all comfortable. They, let's say Duke comes to town. They beat Duke. They're four and one. They're four and one. Nope. They go to Chapel Hill and get drilled. Right, so now they're four and two. You're like, okay, you know what? They are two games away from a bowl game, right? They are four and two, and they have six games to win two, right? And hell, maybe they come out the next weekend's Boston College at home and they actually win a game. Holy crap, they're one game away. I don't care what would happen from October the 22nd on. It doesn't matter, okay? They could lose every game from then on as long as they didn't win them by like 70 points. That would be success, okay? Even if they don't get to a bowl game, and, I, and we've had conversations about, you know, what the climate would be like and dot, dot, dot. But I think the thing, the place I'm going with this is until they get to William Mary, and literally until they win and, and beat Indiana, and then literally, like, I have no idea. Like, nothing that happens is going to make me think the next thing that could happen is possible until it's actually happened. Like, I'm not... I, 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 I'm sorry. They, unless they be like, what? They're going to come out, beat William Mary 70 to nothing, and then come beat Indiana by 40? Okay, maybe then I start to really believe. But uh, nah, uh-uh. I, I'm like George Bush, man. You're going to be fooling me again. Like, I, I've, seen, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen that thing happen too many times. You know, like I, 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 like I said on the board already, when I go into fall camp, um, I, I'm not going to be, you know, making any kind of grand uh, sweeping generalizations. I will tell you exactly what I saw, and that's it. And when the games happen, I won't I won't put anything else on the table until until they bring in me the ingredients. Like I'm 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 done expecting anything. I, and, I, and I don't think that's unfair. I think that's actually reasonable. I, I think that the the folks who have t- totally tuned out uh, already the the new regime, you, you kind of have to understand like not just the way the last season unfolded, but the way that that ended and the and the and the two quarterback deal and everything. Like some of this, they've sort of invited on themselves. Like they, they decided to go out way outside the box on a lot of da- a lot of different stuff, and ultimately, like you're accountable for it. And so, like it's I don't I mean look if there are 15 people there for the William Mary game, I won't be surprised. And I'm look I'm not just I'm not just like fire brimstone about this. I mean I'm just being reasonable. They went two and ten and lost to their biggest rival, like as if they were the JV team, and it was bad beyond bad 
And so I, I think they're going to have to improve in a lot of ways. Got a lot of work in front of them. And and look, they do look. There are definitely some some positives. They return a lot of talent on defense. They figure out nose tackle. They could be very good on that side of the ball. Offensively, they return a lot of pieces. Uh, their offensive line is going to be a question we're going to be talking a lot about um, for a lot of various reasons, including signing day. But realistically, you know, it's going to happen. What happens at quarterback? And that's going to be a question I don't think is going to answer, be answered for a while. So even though they do have some pieces back and various you know positives, I mean, ultimately the whole thing has to turn around before you believe that it will. And I, I don't think that that's wrong. I, I don't think anybody is is wrong for for avoiding expectations um, for a group that has you know has really struggled with with even the the small ones you know that that we may have had uh, in the past. Um, yeah. I think that might be a good place to put a pin in. I kind of want a little rant there. Um, so we have next week to discuss sounding day. We can go on another rant then. That's true. <laughs> and 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 so well, just one just one thing real quick. What's up on William and Mary? If they lose that game, like that's not. I, I don't want to say that's not like losing to Richmond because that was bad enough. Um, Richmond was a national title contender in the preseason. So and they were national title contender until Woodson they got hurt, right? Weren't they right, still in the mix? They got to the playoffs. Yeah, they got they got they won a couple games in the playoffs. Didn't too, uh, think, Loletta but, like spring a giblet or something? What did, yeah, he got hurt in the last game. But my point is, this team is was not good this year. They were five and six, um, and they're going to be worse because they lose their starting quarterback and a few other key pieces. So they might be playing a true freshman quarterback. Um, Wait, they're going to play Sean Mitchell? Very possible. Wow. So, yeah, he might get hurt. <laughs> um, but my point is, and you're coming off a season when you you already made this mistake. You know what I'm saying? Like, you already lost this game. So, if they lose this, if they lose that game, I would consider that wholly and totally unacceptable. Like, it, to the point of where you would have to start wondering about fit. Yeah, I would. I would tend to agree with that. And like I don't. I, not, and, and I don't think that'll happen. I, I, I think they'll win comfortably. But well, you you I mean, look. You feel free to expect all you want. I'm gonna sit over here with my. And basically, my my crib is Missouri. Show me, like show me. And I look again. I have. I know these kids. I, I've I've covered them for a long time. Great guys. Really appreciate everything they do. Don't want to. Not trying to diminish it at all. Um, but. Show me. Like, I'm just at that point. And, and look, everything you just said makes total sense. Still not going that far. Still not going to do it. I uh, want to thank uh, everybody out there for giving us a listen. As always, thank you for your support of the show. want to thank Dave and Ferber for being here, um, taking time out of their Wednesday evenings to, uh, to give me a few minutes and, and talk UVA sports. Uh, for Justin Ferber, for David Spence, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.